Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast, the original all-turkey, all-the-time podcast with your co-hosts Andy Galliano and Cameron Weddington. In our weekly podcast, we're going to bring you some wild turkey calling tips like this. From there, we're going to go into, she's aggravated, there's another hen that's challenged her, or she's challenging another hen, she's going to cut an excited yelp. Advice from old pro turkey hunters like this. The turkeys typically don't like, I think, more times than not, to travel in an easterly direction into the sun first thing in the morning, especially after he gets up. It's a blinding thing. It, it, it's just like you. It's hard for you to see into the sun. Mm-hmm. So if I have a choice, I'm going to try to make it so that I'm going to be on the west side in the morning east side in the afternoon of a turkey exciting live hunts like this holy crap they're coming teach you how to cook your bird with advice such as this with some fresh rosemary and garlic and then cool that off and spread that along the inside of that butterflied turkey breast that we've seasoned on both sides wildlife management tips for your property especially with turkeys like this if you look at the type of habitats that turkeys need for nesting and brooding that tends to be habitat that can be managed more successfully with growing season fire than with dormant season fire. And hopefully along the way, we'll get plenty of these. Well, on November the 28th of 1953, I was attached when I popped out of my mom and the baby doctor spanked me on the bottom. I went, oh, and I've been doing it ever since. <laughs> I like that. Thank you for tuning in, and now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 337, The Minnesota Turkey Hunt, Part 1, The Silence Was Deafening. And I am your co-host, and the guy who is PO'd right now. And I'm your co-host, and the guy who's telling y'all the second time, but for real this time, that I'm joining the dynamic duo this weekend. Mm, mm, mm. I'm just gonna go ahead and tell everybody while I'm why I am smiling yet po'd, and I mean with a capital P and a capital <laughs> O. Oh, Cameron Lord. and I just recorded almost 40 minutes of audio for you guys. And I just happened to pull up my recording software, and it just did not appear like it was recording. So I asked the question, hey, Cameron, are you, by chance, recording this call? No, you are. I looked at my software again. It's not recording because my software license had expired. Oh, Lord. Yeah. So for 10 whole dollars, 
I just lost 40 minutes of my day. Yep, you did. Well, and so did you. Yeah, yeah. Two people, so our time is worth about $5 an hour each. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I got a lot of well, clients that would love to pay me that little bit amount of money. Yeah, well, it gave me time to rethink, and I don't think I'm going to share that tip that I gave everyone uh, as to how I've killed the past 20 turkeys that I've killed. I'm not going to share that again this time. So, Well... You know. I'm definitely not going to mention the new call that I made that I was going to sell. Actually, I'd given the the website information so people could buy it. I mean, the thing is, it's just absolutely deadly, but... I know, that's that's the one I used to kill every turkey for the past 10 years, and, you know, we patented it together, but I think we'll just keep it to ourselves at this point. Well, I think we seriously need to do that for the population yeah yeah it's probably a good thing because you know we don't want to educate them too much and you know me and you can go out and kill one every day as long as we want now because we have this new tool that we talked about in that segment we didn't record but yeah you know i think it's best for the world so i'm glad i'm glad your software gave us a second chance to rethink this yes that's right (laughs) that's exactly right so tell me about the dynamic duo yeah so you and I are meeting back up, Batman and Robin, riding yet again, headed to Virginia. Am I and... Batman because I'm older, or are you oh, yeah. Batman because you're bigger? I was thinking I was both Batman and Robin. You were more of Alfred at your age. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Alfred yeah. was quite the gentleman. <laughs> That's you right there. So. And he was quite handy as well. Yeah, yeah, he was a helpful guy, so that's yes. good. So, but no, no, I'm excited because we're, I mean, when was the, the last turkey we've killed together was Mississippi? Is that right? Yes, because we killed Mississippi, and that was before North Carolina. No, we no, killed in Utah. Was at Utah, well, Utah. I mean, I guess spring turkey hunting, our last spring turkey hunt together would have been in Mississippi to... Not last year, but the year before. Well, I've got something to share with you that you don't know. This is the last hunt that you and I will be hunting together on. I'm ditching you, (laughs) and I'm hunting with Zach Lucas because he and I are a thousand percent. We are batting a thousand. You know who else is batting a thousand? Me and Evan Murphy. Yeah, I guess I just bring you down because, you know. You're dead weight. Because yeah. we we what we we struck out in North Carolina the first year. We're about a thousand after that. We killed doubled in North Carolina the next year, and then we killed in Mississippi the next time. Well, you're forgetting about Arkansas. Okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> you, you, you take them to say Arkansas. Arkansas does not count. <laughs> <laughs> you you put them in Arkansas and see what happens. I'm just saying that that's an unfair deal, man. I got I ripped. Killed in. Every state that has turkeys except Arkansas because it doesn't count. Yeah, it doesn't count. You know, hey, if you want to bat a thousand, let's me and you go to, you know, South Dakota, Kansas, Maine, not Arkansas. I mean, that's an unfair. Mississippi, West Virginia, those easy states. Yeah, Tennessee back before this year, you know, the easy states. So Mm -hmm. let's. Let's just cool the jets on that. We're going to do fine in Virginia, and then we're going to go kill in Maryland, and you'll be back to wanting to hunt with me again. So that now I have an objective for the hunt. This is the redemption hunt that we've already now titled the hunt. 
Yeah, the redemption hunt after Arkansas. Yeah, it's time for us to kill again, and I think we have slightly better odds in Virginia than we did in Arkansas. So, Well, I'm going to tell you that when Zach was in Alabama hunting with me, I interviewed him for the co-host position for the podcast. <laughs> and I'd already interviewed Evan, too, so they're, hey. they're strong candidates, man. I'm telling you. Yeah. you... I'll sell them my share of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I won't think have they to can waste afford 40 it. Minutes, uh, Forty minutes recording a non-recorded podcast. So. Five dollars. Yeah. Here's my share of the podcast. I tell you and what, I'll, you buy me lunch, you can have it. It's all uh-huh. yours. I'll pay then, you five dollars, and you can have my share of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then you can talk to Andy and act like you're recording when you're not. It's great. <laughs> Hey, this isn't as bad yet as the time that we recorded the same podcast. Was it three or four times? times. Yeah. That was unbelievable. My brother was in the car with me, and (laughs) he got to hear the same story like four different times. I'm really surprised he didn't jump out of the car. The movie. I was ready to jump out of the car. I I was sick of hearing myself tell the story. Yeah. It was a great story the first time. And then it got more elaborate and more elaborate and more elaborate every time you told it. Yeah, more lying and, you know, just really make it even better at the end. But Typical you know. turkey hunters. Speaking of yeah. lies, we've got a good lie for everybody today in this Minnesota turkey hunt, but I'm going to do, do two things first. I'm going to tell everybody in 40 seconds what you and I talked about for 40 minutes. Complained about? And then second, I'm going to say that we are... 19 days, 9 hours, 51 minutes, and 44 seconds away from the end of spring turkey season in Alabama. But I'm going to do that second, not first. Okay, okay. Well, right. and when you do that, I'm going to also say that we're 31 days, 9 hours, 11 minutes, 37 seconds from the end of turkey season in the volunteer state. But go ahead with your first thing. All right, so the first thing, put a timer on me for right, 40 seconds, seriously. 40 seconds. Yep. All right, and then I'm I'm going to go 40 seconds as well. Oh, wow. Okay, so am I just giving my half of the conversation? You give yours, and then I'm just going to add to it where I see fit. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, rapid fire discussion starts now. All right, we're absolutely murdering turkeys in this country. We have got to build a better <laughs> system together. It's going to involve having to buy tags so that we know how many hunters are hunting turkeys. Blah, blah, blah. It's brutal blah 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 we need to do this again blah 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 soapbox and i'm out all right you did it in 30 seconds you had 10 remaining oh well then hang on i'm gonna sing a little bit (laughs) i think we can do without that (laughs) is it up yet yeah your timer's up thank thank the lord all right you start there is mercy there is mercy in this world All right, all right, my 40 seconds is going to begin now. The state of Tennessee is getting absolutely wrecked after what I thought was going to be the worst year in history with the COVID year last year. But with the popularity of YouTube and all the YouTubers saying, hey, Tennessee, fill up your truck bed. They're everywhere, even though most of them are hunting private land. Our public land's getting hammered. This year, my favorite public land has killed 46 birds in seven days. Only killed 36 in the whole season last year during the COVID year. It's brutal. Can't even find a spot to park. We're killing too many turkeys. I've killed two. I'm not shooting another one unless I can see his spurs or see that he's banded because I know where a banded flock is. And so that's how I'm going to go for my third one. That's it. 
So some bad news. We are 19 days, 9 hours, 51 minutes, and 44 <laughs> seconds away from the end of turkey season in Alabama. There you go. All right. 31 All right. days, Tennessee. We said that again. So that that worked a little better than our 40-minute discussion that we had. So Yeah, and people got to hear me sing. Yeah, and, you know, I got bonus. my spiel in there. So it, it was good. Yes, indeed. It was good. Seriously, I do want to say this. Because it's something, and and look, I'm just as guilty as you guys who are riding around in your trucks right now who really haven't put forth a lot of effort to let your voices be heard. But we turkey hunters, we diehards who care about this resource that we have, this gift that we've been given, the wild turkeys. Yeah, a a redemption gift too, because it was almost gone at one point. That's true. We need to let our voices be heard by the powers that be, whether that's our conservation advisory boards, or that is our state legislators, or that is our game and fish department. Yeah. We need to let them know our thoughts. If everyone that I've talked to who is a turkey hunter would let their board, you know, know their thoughts, it would really help because I haven't, I haven't run into hardly anybody who's like not concerned about our populations at this point Yeah, in the Southeast, at least. So it it definitely is a thing going on. And I I just think people need to voice it a little more. And one thing we talked about that we're, we won't go into, but maybe just look at your situation and you may have to self-regulate, you know, set your own law of how many birds, if it needs to be less than the legal limit, don't shoot over the legal limit because limits five, and you know there's only five turkeys on your whole property that you can hunt, maybe only shoot two or three. You know, self-regulation can go a long way. So that's kind of yeah. what, in my 40-second spiel, I was saying is that I'm, I've am i killed two. I'm, I'm happy. I can end the year right now and be satisfied. I'm going to go and kind of take a page from the Deer Hunter book of trophy hunting, and that way I can still go every day, but I'm not going to shoot unless I can see that it's a really nice long spurred gobbler or I found a population that they've banded and I can kill a banded turkey. So if I see one of those two things, I'm going to kill one. But other than that, they get a free pass for me. Cause I'm, I, you know, there's just no point in it. And you know, I, I'm, I got plenty of meat, so I might as well go for kind of a, a trophy hunt, I guess. Yeah. Well, they're getting a pass from me this year because I'm leaving town. Yeah. Well, we're, they're not going to get a pass if they're on Virginia soil or Maryland soil. This no. next weekend. <laughs> no. No passes given there. It's the redemption trip. Two-year-olds welcome. Two-year-olds are welcome. Yes. Absolutely. So, excellent. Well, we have a pretty cool hunt for you guys today. Well, let's hear about it, man, because I heard a brief summary live and in person in Minnesota of this hunt, but I want to hear more detail and actually hear the hunt. Because that's the coolest part. There are two, one, two good takeaways from this hunt. And I'm, I mean, one of them, man, I just, I'm amazed at how many people are guilty of doing. So let's get into this thing. Let me kind of set you guys up. Yeah. Give us the background. All right. So May of last year, I'd made my mind up. I was going back to the Midwest. I was going to hunt Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan. Of those three, 
Michigan would be a new state for me. And Mm -hmm. Michigan would wrap up the entire middle part of the country minus L.A. and A.R. Yeah. So. Good luck with those. (laughs) They don't count anyway. Yeah, they don't count towards the Super Slam. Right. So Super Slam's states that have a turkey population. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to count. You're not going to count Alaska. So why would you count (laughs) Arkansas? (laughs) (laughs) Or Louisiana. So I told Chip while he and I were hunting in Arkansas that I was going on this trip. I said, look, no pressure. It's COVID year. I'm not being judgmental, but I'm going. If you would like to join me, I'd love some company. And he said, I'm going. When are you going? Because that's when I'm going to go. So we got the date set and he said, don't you think we need to call Yankee John? And I said, well, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm going, you're going. Yankee John is getting the invite, whether he decides to go or not, is up to him. Yeah, it's a northern state, too, so he'd be right at home. That's right. So we call Yankee John, <laughs> and he says, you know what? Now, he pretty well was on lockdown in Virginia. Mm-hmm, yeah. That's the way those northern states are. Yeah, this is Yankee states, man. <laughs> and he said, I've got to tell you, my wife and I are absolutely sick of being locked up and told we can't do this and told we can't do that. And now that we've learned a little bit more about this virus, we are not just making ourselves prisoners in our own homes anymore, in our own and home thought, anymore. We're getting out. I thought you were going to say, he said, my wife and I are just absolutely sick of each other. No. <laughs> being locked in this house my gosh it it may have been true but he did (laughs) not say that saying that he did not say that so yeah yeah, Rhonda, he he absolutely did not say that that was cameron who said that (laughs) so we told him the dates he said look i'm just going to mention it to her as far as time goes i've got the time so you know i'm good I want to make sure that she's going to be okay with it. So he said, let me call you back. He calls back, I don't know, 30 minutes later, I'm in. So I already knew where to go. What's that? Said the force was assembled. Yes, absolutely. So I already knew where to go in Minnesota. And I had already killed in Wisconsin, but I killed in Wisconsin on private ground. And I knew planning a trip this late on private ground for me to call the farmer up there that I hunted with and say, hey, I'm coming back up there. Is it possible for me to hunt your ground? I knew he has people lined up to to hunt his place. He gives permission to a certain number of people to hunt his place. And so I, I knew that my opportunity, the opportunity there was not going to be good. So I found us another option, Wisconsin. And Michigan, I got on the phone, started calling some folks in Michigan and nailed down where we wanted to go in Michigan. We were going to the UP. So trips planned. We get there. We start in Minnesota. No, we get there. We start in Wisconsin. We kill. When I say we, remember, I've already killed in Wisconsin, so it's not mandatory that I kill. Chip and John got to get birds. They kill within the first three hours of the first day. We load up. We go to Minnesota. Well, Chip and John are not huge public land fans. So we get to Minnesota, we hunt public ground. It's COVID year. There are people everywhere. 
and I'm not just talking people hunting, people yeah. riding horses, people yeah. walking, people flying drones, people, I mean, just people everywhere on the public ground that we went to. And it was difficult. Um, you know, just straight up, it was hard. Mm-hmm. So Chip and John wanted out of there, so they found some private ground for us to go and hunt. We get to the private ground. This was the second day of our hunting. We get to the private ground that afternoon, and, well, we spent two and a half days on private ground chasing what I think was one gobbling turkey. And we have two hunters that need a turkey. Yeah, you need two. (laughs) Yeah. So we said, look, let's, let's regroup. Let's get to Michigan. All three of us need birds in Michigan. If we can kill there, we can get back to Minnesota. We'll be in good shape. We drive however far it was, four hours or whatever, to the UP in a matter of a day and a half. All three of us killed there. We're heading back to Minnesota. And while we were in Michigan, I told them, I said, look, we'll find a new piece of public ground to hunt, but you guys basically screwed us out of two and a half days of good turkey hunting. You have to trust me on hunting public ground in Minnesota. It's a yeah. one bird state. Yeah. And the hunting is good. Just trust me on this. We'll, we'll, we'll find the right piece of public ground. So we do some calling around while we're driving back to Minnesota from Michigan and get a couple of tips on some good pieces of public ground to go on, different yeah. pieces of public ground that we were going to than what we visited the first time. New ground scout- to me. I was scouting for you here in Tennessee. <laughs> That's right. You sure were. Sending you numbers. Say, like, hey, call this guy. He said he knows where some are. <laughs> yeah. So we go to this piece of public ground. We get there, I don't know, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It, plenty of time to roost turkeys. And our plan mm-hmm. was, hey, let's spread out. Three different spots, and let's try to just get a turkey roosted for in the morning. So I pick this spot out. I go there. I step out into this ag field. I give a hooty hoo and a turkey answers me. Ooh, that so feels good. It does. I circle the field, going in the direction of where the, the turkey gobbled from because I'm not going to walk through the middle of the field. That's insanity. So I'm skirting the edge of the field. I get close to this turkey, and I know within three trees of exactly where this turkey is roosted. Mm-hmm. It gets dark. I walk out. I get back to the truck, and I just have to hear it one more time. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Minnesota turkeys gobble hard. Oh man, they gobble so hard. So it was... I have a theory on that, by the way, that I'll discuss at the end. Okay, I, I'm I'm anxiously awaiting to hear that theory. Yeah. I wave good night. Get in the truck. Drive down. Pick up the boys. We go to where we're staying. Everybody is kind of talking about their afternoon. I'm the only one that's roosted a bird. So they decide that Chip's going with me the next morning. We go, I mean, well before daylight because I want to walk directly across this ag field. We go to where I left the turkey. We're standing in the exact same spot that I was standing in when I had him pinned down to one of three trees. Mm-hmm. We're sitting there. We're waiting. I mean, it's it's like seriously an hour before it starts cracking day. <laughs> and I haven't hooted. Chip hasn't hooted. We haven't blown a crow call. We're just sitting there waiting on it to crack day. And then all of a sudden, we hear this. I just heard one. Do you hear him? 
if you heard, I kind of semi-jokingly asked him if he heard the turkey that I heard gobble. <laughs> the turkey, no joke, is 50 yards from us in a tree. Oh, my gosh. Are y'all seated or standing? We're standing. And oh, Lord. You know how that land rolls around there. So yeah. we're almost at the same elevation standing on the edge of this field that that turkey is in at the top of that tree. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's like almost eye level. Yeah, he's just right there. And just about blew my hat off. <laughs> and I, like I said, almost jokingly asked Chip if he could hear because I'm trying to judge how good is your hearing on these turkeys in Minnesota? You know, did you yeah. hear him? And he nod, he smiles and nods at me like, uh, okay, I'm not completely deaf. <laughs> I you can would, feel the breath of him. <laughs> yes, you would have to be completely deaf to not hear this turkey gobble. So long story, because it's about a three-hour long hunt altogether. Long story short, we mess with this bird. He flies down in a finger of the field opposite from the finger that we're in. Mm -hmm. And he moves around, moves around, feeds, and, you know, gobbling like crazy, looking for girls, trying to call a girl in. He's But he's going away from us. And so he eventually drops out of this field and into the woods. And Chip and I follow him. And we're not real sure if he's gone down one ridge or the other. But one thing that's kind of crazy about that area is because it's so hilly sometimes you can be on the same ridge as a turkey but if he's facing the next ridge over and gobbling it sounds yeah. like that he's on that ridge because the echo comes off that ridge yeah. Yeah, really. and so we're having a discussion about which ridge this bird is on now there's another turkey gobbling further down this ridge we think and this is one thing that just is crazy about Minnesota to me. We we found out, and I'm I'm kind of skipping around here, but it, it is 100% related. We found out later that that turkey, the second turkey that was gobbling, was not on the same ridge. He was across the ag field, not the same ag field we walked in on, but a different ag field, w which ran down in the bottom along a creek, and on the next ridge over, that mm. turkey was over half a mile from us. Wow. And we could hear him gobble like he was 400 yards away. Yeah, just nothing between you, so it's clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. And so we thought he was at the end of that second ridge, and we thought that the first turkey we were following was on the first ridge. So we go walking down the first ridge towards where we hear, where we think the first turkey's gobbling, and he gobbles, and I said, Chip, I'm pretty sure he's on the next ridge over. So we drop down into the bottom, we start up the hill towards the top of the ridge, and I pull out my slate call, and I gave a sweet little yelp, and we're going to pick up right after he gobbles at us from about 60 yards. <laughs> Listen into this, there's some Good gobbling going on here.
That was about three and a half minutes of audio. Now, this turkey's coming. There's zero okay. doubt. Zero doubt this turkey's coming. He's gobbling hard, getting closer, and Chip has committed to stand up against the tree that I'm sitting on. So he's standing up behind me, which is not a bad move in this terrain because you have a lot better visibility Yeah. because of your elevation. And, you know, four and a half, five feet of additional elevation makes a big big difference so i'm gonna jump into audio now we got about mm, 10 minutes ish of audio i'm gonna cut in one time during that but just very briefly and listen in here this is where the hunt gets a little weird
All right, I don't think you could hear it right there, but that sound you just heard was the bolt of chip shotgun coming back, the first of two shotgun shells hitting me in the back. <laughs> Actually, that was the first shotgun shell to hit me, the first and only to hit me in the back. The second one that you're about to hear the bolt on his shotgun rack again, the second shell hit me on the top of the head. Wow. So let's get in here and listen to the rest of this audio.
sucks. Uh, oh, God. Oh, man. When I listened to this hunt again, I just, I mean, it, it, it was kind of like our Georgia hunt after he shot. Yeah. I was sitting there just listening to the whole hunt again, just shaking my head going, I cannot believe this. So here we are, we've traveled, I don't, I seriously don't know how far it is. It's a thousand, twelve hundred miles. Uh, I mean, it could be 800. I don't have a clue. And had a pretty darn good hunt or trip up to this point. Yeah. Have this bird gobbling hard coming in. I mean, wasted no time. We're talking from the time I sat down to the time that Chip saw that turkey was about five minutes. Wow. So actually it was about seven or eight minutes. So you heard what happened or didn't happen, which was a shot. Now I've got audio of me and Chip after the turkey had walked over the ridge and gone away from us. He got up from where he was because I, I had scooted back to try to call that bird in again, just trying to act like a hen walking away and had left Chip there, and I walked on down the hill towards the bottom, but it didn't work. Turkey went up and over the ridge and was basically gone for the day. Yeah. So Chip comes down the hill. You don't get many second opportunities like that. No, 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 no. I mean, no. Ever. No. So Chip comes down the hill, and we kind of just relive the hunt. It's about, I don't know, 14 minutes or so of audio, I'm just going to run it. I'm going to cut some of the dead space out of it. I think there's a time in the audio when I'm eating crackers or something and you can hear a dang plastic bag rattling around or wrapper (laughs) rattling around. I'm going to cut that out of there so it doesn't drive you crazy like it did me. And we'll see you guys here in about 14 minutes or so. Talk to me, Clark. I've seen it happen to other people, but I've never had it happen to me. That box of shells I've had for a long time. I bought like five boxes. About Seven and I, and I opened that box up this morning to get some more out of it because those two shells I got got something wrong with them. They've kind of swollen up a little bit and they don't go in the magazine well. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it's Shells are old. That shell that I had, the firing pins never hit it. I never heard your firing pin strike any of those shells. Uh -uh. I heard you click your safety off. I heard you click your safety off. And I never heard anything else. What happened up here? Did I spook him when I moved from there to here? No. He's over on the other side of the hill. But he ain't gobbled in 30 minutes. 
right in here. And then when I tried to put another shell in there, it kept kicking them out. I never heard the firing pin. I'm not saying it didn't happen because I had my ears plugged up. I can't, I can't tell you. None of those primers have been no, dimpled at all. Shell. You're missing one? Mm -hmm. Wait on that. Goblin had plenty of visual on him. Well, I mean, I was being real patient. I could have shot him ten times. And I just kept letting him come and come. And get up there in what I thought was the perfect spot. Did you see? No, sorry. How far was he? 30 yards. Maybe 35. And this is where I first saw him, right here. Or no, that big tree right there. He came walking out from behind it, blew up in full strut and got one. And stood there for a couple minutes. And then he turned and started angling to us up the hill. And I mean, it was just like I was here and all I had to do was Well, you can go find another one. Yeah, I gotta calm down a little bit. Looks like a posted sign right over the hill. Yeah, that's private ground right there. My battery's about to die on my phone. Old battery backup is dead. thing about it is a sucker came walking up exactly where I thought he would come walking up. And exactly 
right up on the rib. It has all those bottom fillets around. So, let's say these shells are 10 years old. Which there's a good chance. That, that's just too old to trust. Nope. I just wonder if I should buy a new box for the year. No, I don't think there's anything wrong with those shells. Yeah, I just don't think the firing pin hit it. Yeah, some trash or something in it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it. I apologize. I thought I was doing what it took to get him. That stuff happens. The good news is we get to go get to go call in another one. That was pretty neat, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and you see, I couldn't see where it was going because I was fighting my gun. When he when I called and he gobbled after you told me to call, he was you couldn't see him at that oh. point. Obviously, he was probably fifty yards, yeah, sixty yards. He never saw you shucking your shells or it does. <coughs> I had never thought about it or practiced it. But that's something good to practice. Because if I pulled the trigger and it didn't fire, that what I should have done is just stayed still and let him step behind a tree and then then get my gun loaded. Mm-hmm. But I've never thought about it. <laughs> this gun has been awfully good to me. And I have not taken care of it. Yeah. That's important. How do you clean the firing pin? If you go on YouTube and pull up was that a, that's an 1100 1187 pull up Remington 1187 bolt disassembly and cleaning there's probably a hundred videos on there on how to take it apart and clean it much just a little piece of trash in there somewhere
And you know, you you racked it twice up there. Mm -hmm. You racked it three times here. And it might be all it took to get it worked out. I mean, he came up there exactly like they're supposed to. You heard him. He went gobble right in front of us, didn't you? Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you put your fingers in your ears or not. The first time you told me to put my fingers in my ears, I was afraid to move. Because mm -hmm. I knew he was close. And the second time, you're like, put your fingers in your ears. I was like, I don't want to, but... And then I felt, and then I heard you go, y'all, y'all. And I felt the first shell hit me on the back, and the second shell hit me on the head. I said, this is not good. I ain't real smart, and I know that ain't good. Okay, Cameron, here are my two takeaways from this hunt. Let's hear it. I'm going to give the first one because it's easy. It's something that probably is not going to happen to a lot of the people that listen to this show a whole lot. At least I pray it doesn't, and I hope it never happens to me, but it does happen. Let's say you either have a misfire like Chip did, or hey, it's early in the morning. We're still asleep. We forgot to load our gun. Yeah. Turkey comes up. You either get a click, click or you get a trigger pull with nothing, not even a click. Yeah. You heard Chip mention while we were reliving the hunt right there that he probably should have waited for the turkey to step behind a tree before he racked the bolt on his gun. Huh. That little bit of movement that that turkey saw was not enough to spook him so that he left the country. But it was enough to, off. Yes, enough to spook him to where he was not coming back to that spot. And he was pretty darn sure that that was not a hen that was calling to him. Yeah. Did you have your gun? I had my gun. Okay. I didn't know if there was yeah. an option. I guess because he was standing, you couldn't hand him your gun. I am not in front of the tree. I'm on the side of the tree. He's behind the tree on yeah, the opposite no side. Yeah, no way. Yeah. Now, really, because I never saw the turkey, we probably could have come close. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. We'll never yeah. know. We'll never yeah. know. All right. So that's that's takeaway number one. Misfire or no shell in the gun. Wait for that Tom to step behind a tree before you even think about moving because I know it's the instinct of a hunter. It's the instinct of a killer. Yeah. Time to, to kill. kill. And yeah. so you're going to do what you have to do to kill. And, and that's racking a shell in and getting a shot real quick. But we don't have to be real quick. If we didn't yeah. scare that turkey, he's going to step behind a tree, rack that bolt yeah, real quick then, and get on him and bust yeah. it. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. Takeaway number two. Blows my mind how many people don't do this. Pattern the gun. Clean uh. your freaking shotgun after turkey season. Before you put it up in your gun safe or your gun cabinet, clean your gun. Before season, go shoot your gun at the range, at paper, at a can, at a crow, at whatever you want to shoot at. Clean the gun at least once a year, every year. I'm talking 
inside and out, all the working parts of it, get all the sand, all the pine tree needles, all the dirt, (laughs) all the turkey feathers, all of the gunpowder, all of the crap that's in your gun, get it out, clean the gun so it squeaks when you touch it. Yeah, that's a good point. And go shoot the gun. I don't care if you have patterned that gun every single year for the past 10 years and you're shooting the same exact shells that you shot last year. Go shoot Shoot. one round. Go fire a dove shell shell out of it. Yep. No, I pattern my gun with the same shell, same combo every year, one shot, just to make sure you never know. You never know. Because I had a Benelli that the barrel warped on it, and I didn't do anything to it. I don't know what happened, but one year I shot it, and literally didn't even put a pellet in the paper. It hit the ground in front of it. Crazy. Yeah. Go shoot. We traveled (laughs) however many miles it was to go up there, and you get nothing when you squeeze the trigger. Now, remember, he just a few days before killed a turkey in Michigan. Yeah. He just, a few days before, killed a turkey in Wisconsin. So everything's working, isn't it? No, the gun didn't shoot. He thought that it was the shells, but the firing pin never touched the primer on the shells. So what was it that caused that to happen? Did he get some trash in it the day before, and that trash prevented the firing pin from hitting the primer? Or is it 20 plus years of neglect of not cleaning a shotgun to where the gun finally says, you know what? I think I've done had with enough. You. Yeah. Clean your gun. Take care of it and it will take care of you. So that is takeaway number two that is the big one on this. We spend hmm. too much money. We spend too much time. We put too much effort to get a wild turkey in front of us. To have the gun not even click when you squeeze the trigger. So you guys listening may say, well, how do you know it was not a piece of trash and it was just a one-off thing? Well, every year I go on a squirrel and rabbit hunt with Chip. Every year he brings that same shotgun. This past year, Chip had a dove hunt that he invited me to. He brought the same shotgun on the squirrel and the rabbit hunt. And I'm just saying that, yes, it could be a piece of trash, but how do we know it wasn't a piece of trash that got in his gun last turkey season, not the morning before the hunt, before he tried to squeeze the trigger on the turkey, you know, that it had not been in the action of that gun for a year, and finally it just worked his way down there to block the pin. So don't neglect your gun. Take care of your gun. (laughs) I just, I mean, it was one of those things we take it for granted, you know? So 100%. Anyway, Chip is there with a gun and what he thinks are shotgun shells that have an issue. And he has zero confidence in. And we have one more day to hunt. <laughs> All right. I'm looking forward to it because uh, I know what happens. So I want to hear what your theory is about those hard gobbling Minnesota turkeys. All right, just brace yourself, because I think I got it. I think I know why. I believe those turkeys in late May have used all of their breast sponge out of their body. And so 
their gobble is more deep and coarse and reverberating because that sponge isn't absorbing the sound inside of them. How about that? As much as I probably really want to laugh at you, (laughs) our voices are, to a great extent, absorbed by our bodies. The sounds we make are absorbed by our bodies and therefore muffled by our bodies. There could be something to that, Cameron. Now, I'm going to present you a counter-argument. All right. Why does it not seem like they gobble harder and louder in, say, Tennessee or Alabama? Is it because at late season, is it because the vegetation has is absorbing more of that sound than it would, say, early season? Yeah, I think so. And I've noticed in here their voices seem to change to a deeper tone as well. It seems like early season, you know, crystal clear, A, you don't have any leaves on the tree, but it's more of that, like, you know, it carries forever. And then late season, it's more of a, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but I swear I think there's something to it when they burn off that breast sponge. And it makes sense. I mean, I think that's pretty near where their diaphragm is and where their voice probably originates. And if you don't have a big spongy material in front of it, I bet it is going to be more hollow. I think there's something to it, man, because that first turkey I got on in Minnesota, I've never heard one gobble that sounded like that. That was the deepest, throatiest thing I ever heard in my life. So... So You know, I've always attributed the difference in sound to the gobbling to the foliage. Yeah, I think that definitely has something to do with it. We know it does. I mean, it has to. There's zero doubt because you can't hear them as far. No doubt. And if you can't hear them as far, it is changing the tone of that gobble to to some extent. No doubt. But Minnesota, like the gobbler I was on, there was no foliage between me and him. His voice was deeper, mm-hmm. both of them. So there's something else with their voice that was different. And I think even here, I think their voice changes too. But And that, that maybe you know, foliage keeps their voice down, but I think, you know, higher frequency carries further too, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's another reason you can't hear them as far late season is because, I mean, the breast sponge... He puts that on himself, eats, 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 grows that breast sponge. And then in spring during mating season, he's using that to get his nutrients. That's where he burns his energy to keep going. So he doesn't have to stop to eat. He can just keep breathing, you know. And you kill one early season, he'll have all that spongy material everywhere. Kill one late season, it's hardly any of, if any. I think think there's something to it. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm, by Cameron Weddington. Hey. It's it is a thought. It, it is a thought provoking thought at least. It may not be true, but it may be true. You may be wrong, but you may be right. Yeah. It it's not stupid enough to not make sense, and it's not genius enough to make full sense, but I think it's somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I, I think I think there's something to it. Yeah. Because I also I think that's why the Osceola, you can't hear him as far because they don't have a breast sponge down there. I don't know. Like the two Osceolas I've killed, they didn't have any breast sponge at all. I don't think they put one on. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. There's something to it, man. There's something to it. All right. Yeah. Well, more and speculation. It, Turkey mystery yeah. number 42,726.473. Yep. And it, it would make some sense that, you know, the great designer, when he built the bird, 
puts this breast sponge on him and that increases his gobble frequency and distance when mating season comes in and then it burns off as he finishes out you know i just that would make sense in nature to me all right there's your thought for the day folks <laughs> there's your I tell you what, I'm going to roll that as the favor of the week. If you heard me say that and you want to weigh in on if you think there is some merit to it, contact me or Andy on social media and let us know your thoughts because I'd be interested to see if anybody else has similar thoughts on that now that I've brought it up. All right, so I've got two for the week. Number one, clean your shotguns. (laughs) Go do it right now. Number two, don't forget that the real Cajun market has unbelievable sausages and meats for sale and they will deliver those to your casa oh yeah to your front door of your casa yep absolutely i know one of our listeners joey bell he's on instagram at reverend 434 he's getting some sausage he says he's contacted cullen and he's getting some so appreciate that joey and any other listeners that have been doing that if you need info message me let me know you bought some i'll shout you out here on the podcast no problem just like i just did for joey so buy some sausage let us know you did send us a picture heck you know you cooking some up i'd like to see it see what flavor you like the most and then we'll talk about it you can tell us about it on the show maybe one day who knows a picture of some sausage laying next to a freshly prepared right off the grill or out of the skillet wild turkey breast oh man that would be a sight to behold yeah absolutely that would be something else something to experience too that'd be tasty heck yeah it would so yeah i actually had some last night i had the cajun smoked sausage last night because oh that that one's a good one it is a good one i pulled it out of the freezer to take down to the hunting camp for me and zach to cook but yeah zach because you killed your bird so quickly, easily, and efficiently, and left me to go to Georgia. You didn't get to eat any. I ate your helping of sausage. So you missed out on that, but you did kill a turkey in Alabama. So congratulations to you for that. And yeah, it's good stuff. Guys, order some. Contact Ann Lord to place an order. And you can reach Ann at 678-471-1150. That's 678-471-1150. Get some sausage or other meats, crab cakes, whatever else from the Real Cajun Market. And with that, I'm going to say thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week and a safe one as well. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Peace, homies. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. 
See you next week.